Don't worry, be happy. And so, you know, there's so much going on in the world today that we could worry about, that we could stress about, that we could be anxious about. There's so much going on today. And so, you know, just to name a few, COVID-19, you know, the lockdown, the stay-at-home orders, you know, am I going to catch this? Am I going to die? Uh, racial tensions that have flared up all over the nation, the, rooting, the, the looting, the rioting, the, the fires, the, the on and on and on and on. You know, you guys know all about all of this stuff, I'm sure, if you watch any news at all. The economic instability, the market's up, the market's down, the market's up, the market's down. All of these things could be points of worry. But we're not here today to worry. No matter what we face, no matter what trial may arise, no matter what may come, we have no need to worry because of Jesus Christ and because of what he did for us. And so let's just jump in today. Let's go hard and let's see how far we can go. Today I want to talk to you about the peace of God. So today's message is entitled, The Peace of God. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Fred had read, read this last week. Uh, but there's something here that I want to draw out a little bit further. This scripture says, Be anxious for nothing, but in prayer, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind through Christ Jesus. That's cool. So the Bible tells us, don't worry. Don't be anxious, right? There's all this stuff going on. We just talked about it. All of these things that we could be anxious about, all of these things that we could worry about. And the Bible says, don't do it. Don't be anxious. And then it gives us a, a solution to the problem. But, so instead of worrying, in everything, by prayer and supplication, through prayers and longer prayers, right? Supplication, what's supplication? Supplication. Longer prayers, continuing to pray, continuing to bring our need before God. With thanksgiving, giving thanks, that's odd. Thanksgiving, giving thanks, thanking God will alleviate stress and anxiety. Yes. How do I know that? Because the scripture says so. We've got another scripture later. We'll, we'll look at that a little bit more. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your minds and your hearts through Christ Jesus. And so our mind, where we would think about stress, and our heart, where we might feel stress, are guarded because God has given us his peace. It's the peace of God. It's not the peace that you worked up through prayer. It's not the peace that you've earned because you're a good person. It's the peace of God. It's his peace, and he gives it to you. But here's the beautiful part. The peace passes understanding. The peace that God gives us goes beyond what we can understand in our mind. We don't have to understand it. There, there are no answers. We won't understand it. There's a lot of questions out there. There's a lot of questions that you have. There's a lot of questions that I have that we'll never get the answer to. And we don't need the answers in order to have peace. If we're waiting for the answers to certain questions before we have peace, we'll never have the peace of God. You can't have the peace of God and the answer to every question you'll ever ask. Can't have it. Can't have both. Choose one, choose the other. You want peace? 
or do you want the understanding? I'm not saying we shouldn't pursue wisdom. I'm not saying we shouldn't pursue understanding and try to understand things. But when we hold off and don't allow ourselves to come to a place of peace because we haven't understood yet, we're going against what Scripture says because Scripture says that the peace of God passes all understanding. Even though I don't understand, even though I don't know what to do, even though I don't understand what's going on, God, I trust you and I'll hold on to your peace. I'll take the peace that you're giving me in the midst of my trial. God, I'll take the peace that you're giving me in the midst of my situation. One of the most dangerous questions we can ever ask is why. Why did this happen? Why did that happen? Why did this not happen? Why did so-and-so not get healed? Why did this have to happen? Why did so-and-so have to die? Why, 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 why? We why ourselves out of our faith. We've got peace that passes understanding, but we hold on to these why questions to our own detriment, to the injuring of our own faith. We need to let go. We, need to, we really need to stop asking why. We just need to stop because we're never promised why. Look at the story of Job. Look at the story. I'm moving fast. The camera can't keep up. <laughs> uh, look at the story of Job. All of this happened. He never really asked why. He was never told why. Why did all this happen to Job? Just so God could add more to his life? I don't think so. Why did all this happen to Job? I think that all of this happened to Job just so that he could write the book so that future generations could be encouraged by his faith. God never told Job that was why that was going on. Job didn't sit down at the beginning of the book and say, hey, listen, I'm going to tell you everything that happened to me so that you'd be encouraged. That's not there. But we're encouraged because of what happened to him. It's the only reason I can see. He didn't find out why. I and mean, we don't even really know that that's why. I mean, why? Why ask why? Where is why going to lead us? You know what I, you know what I know? <laughs> I know that either we're not ready for the answer to why. We can't handle it. You want the truth? You can't handle the truth. You want to know why? You can't handle why. <laughs> Somebody thought it was funny. You can't handle why. We can't handle why. Or, back to the original text, we don't understand the why. We could find out the why and we still wouldn't understand it. It just doesn't make sense. And then we get off into this tailspin of thinking. We need to stop thinking. Knowledge doesn't always lead. Knowledge never leads. Knowledge never leads to a deeper place with God. Knowledge is only ever supposed to lead us to greater encounter with God. See, we, we can get caught up in knowledge and we can be satisfied with knowledge and never enter into the encounter that we were supposed to have with God. Come on. What's it all about? The whole thing. What's it all about? It's all about relationship with Jesus. It's all about knowing Him. And so when we get caught up in knowledge, when we get caught up in the knowing, when we get caught up in, in revelation for revelation's sake, we... we we, we, we give ourselves the short end of the stick because the revelation that we're given is only ever meant to drive us deeper into divine encounter. Come on, that's good. <laughs> the peace that passes understanding. If we're going to walk a walk of faith, we have to at some point embrace mystery. 
because it's not called a walk of understanding. It's called a walk of faith. And faith is belief in something that cannot be seen and cannot be proven. And so if it was a walk of understanding, we'd be walking a totally different walk. It's a walk of faith. Amen? All right. Here's a scripture. Listen to this. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you, on the Lord, because he trusts in you, because he trusts in God. Trust in the Lord forever, for Yah is the Lord. For Yah, the Lord, is everlasting strength. The word Yah there is a name for God. It means, it means strength. It also means warrior, victorious, the God who fights for you. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed in the Lord. How do we have peace? How do we have the peace of God? By continuing to keep our mind fixed on God. It's only when we keep our mind fixed on God that we can have the peace of God. Isaiah 53, 5 says this. It says that, and this is a very familiar portion of scripture. It says, the chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed, right? We all know that scripture, Isaiah 53, 5. The chastisement of our peace, the punishment for our peace was upon Jesus. Jesus paid the price that you'd have peace. Price has been paid. It was paid at the cross. When Jesus went to the cross, the chastisement, the punishment that we needed to take in order to have peace, Jesus took and it was upon him. And we don't accept the peace of God. We don't receive it for whatever reason. Jesus in John 14 said, Peace I leave you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives peace. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Not let your heart be troubled, neither, neither let it be afraid. So Jesus wants to give us his peace. I'm going to run through a couple of these scriptures pretty quick. The point's pretty simple. Jesus wants to give us his peace. We need to be in a place where we make ourselves ready to receive it. John 16, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. Here we go again with the peace. In this world you will have tribulation. Jesus promises trouble, trials, persecutions, hard times. In this world, you will, be, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. In this world, Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. Our countenance will always reflect the world that we're most mindful of. Our countenance will always reflect the world that we're most mindful of. If we're most mindful of this world and the tribulations in this world, we're going to be stressed. We're going to uh, have a heart attack. We're going to have a coronary. We're going to have uh, on and on and on and on and on. If we're so mindful and mostly mindful of this world, it won't go well for us. We can't walk the walk that God has intended for us. But if the world that we're most mindful of is the kingdom of heaven... It's then, it's when we're most mindful of the kingdom of heaven that we are able to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. We have to be mindful of the kingdom of heaven. We have to be aware. We have to actually spend time there and live there. We have to live in that place where we're fellowshipping with God if we seek to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. That's Jesus' prayer in Matthew 6. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. How do we do that? 
First and foremost, you have to spend time in the kingdom so that you're aware of the kingdom, and then you can bring it. I'm going to skip that one. That, was, that one takes a long time to explain. I'm going to read this one. Okay. I've got to end quick. I'm trying to end quick. Okay, so then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, peace be with you. Freaked them all out, right? So remember the story. They're, they're in there. They got the doors locked. Jesus isn't there. And then Jesus, I don't know how he gets in the room, but, you know, walks through the wall, walks through the door, and, and there he is, Boom. He's in, the midst, he's in the midst of them, with them. And so they're all freaked out. And he's like, they're like freaking, you know. And he's like, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them. And said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. This is very interesting. Jesus is saying, peace be with you. And then he breathes on them. Am I going to get COVID? <sighs> and then he says, receive the Holy Spirit. And so I only bring this scripture up because it's a lot of fun. How many of us have ever been in a, a, in a church service where the pastor or the minister breathed on you in order to impart a blessing? We're gonna have a we're gonna have a prayer line. Line up. <laughs> Jesus does some funny stuff. I, you know, I, I was in a I was in a, I was in a meeting with the with somebody that did this, and I would have been weirded out if it hadn't been in the scriptures, right? It'd be a very weird thing if Jesus Jesus hadn't done it, but Jesus did it. So what? How are we gonna say? We say no. We we're not gonna take that. No, we're called to do. <laughs> We're called to do everything that Jesus did and greater works. So Jesus, let's, what's a greater work? I love figuring out the greater works. I, I can't wait to have all the works and then the greater works. So Jesus breathed on them, right, and received the, So I'm not going to, I'm going to, what's greater than breathing? Inhale, right? I'm not even giving it away. I'm, I'm doing the opposite. I don't know. I, I don't know. It's just fun stuff. All right. Uh, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. I don't have time to really get into this. This is a great scripture. Write it down. I want to say this, this one thing about this scripture, and I can't explain it in any way because, I mean, we're almost out of time, but this is like a sermon series in itself. But listen to this. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything, give thanks. We talked about thankfulness before, right? And so listen to this. The key to emotional health, how many of you need emotional healing? The key to emotional health is to rejoice always. Just rejoice. Just give God joy. Give God praise. That's what it means to rejoice. Give God joy. Give, give God praise. The key to emotional health, we can study this out some other time, promise, whole sermon series on it, is to rejoice only. The key to mental health, listen to this, who, who struggles with mental health in here? The key to mental health, don't raise your hand. The key to, or at home, don't raise your hand, don't, don't comment. Uh, the key to mental health is to give thanks in all things. You know, there is this video. I said I watch these, these uh, worship videos at home, and I do. And there's this one worship video, and I don't remember the song that they're singing, but they stop in the middle of the video, and this, this 
um, this, this, this man starts to tell this story about uh, they were, he was poor growing up, and he, they were going to get evicted for like the third time. And he heard his mom uh, crying out in, in the bedroom, and so he, he crawls, you know, he kind of goes close to the door so he could make out what, what the mom was saying. And so, you know, they're going to be evicted from their third place within two years or whatever it was. I don't know. I don't remember the exact details. And so what he heard was his mom giving thanks. God, thank you for always providing for us. God, thank you for always finding a way for us. God, thank you for always making a way for us. <sighs> giving thanks in all things. Obviously, you know, stressful situation. You're being kicked out. You have no idea where you're going to go. And she's thankful for all that God had done. Come on. Take that and just, just practice rejoicing and practice giving thanks. Jesus. Psalm 131, the Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor are my eyes lofty, neither do I concern myself with great matters, nor with things too profound for me. Surely I have quieted my soul like a weaned child with his mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. And so here's King David. King David wrote Psalm 131. And so King David wrote and said, God, my heart is not haughty. I'm not proud. It's King David. He's the ruler over the most powerful nation in the world at the time. And he said, God, my heart's not proud. And then he said, nor my eyes lofty. I don't look at things that, you know, are beyond me. What's beyond the most powerful man in the world? Neither do I concern myself with, with great matters or matters greater than my understanding, the Amplified says. Here's King David the most powerful ruler in the world, the, the king over the most power, not, not president, okay, king. There's difference between a president and a king. He was the king over the most powerful nation in the world, and he's saying, I'm not going to concern myself with matters too great for me. Jesus, uh, king David had this line on how to live, and so he didn't concern himself with matters too great for me. Look at this. This is from The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. And so uh, what you see here, you can see this online, you can see it here in the church. Uh, there's two circles here within each of the two circles, and there's the circle of influence and the circle of concern. And so in the first box, you have a proactive fo focus. I've read this book. It's a great book. I've, I, I read this uh, back in college. So it was 20 seven years ago, uh, 28 years ago. And so in the, first, in the first circle, you see the proactive person is focusing more on the circle of influence. They're focusing more on things that they have some kind of an influence on. And they, they focus less on just things that might concern them, but they have no influence over. Okay, so everything that's inside the circle of influence is things that you're concerned about too, right? You see that? And so in the, in the second diagram, in the reactive focus, the person who's reactive spends more time focused on uh, concerned about things that they have no influence over. And so when you focus yourself on what you have influence over, when that becomes your concern, you can grow your circle of influence and you can grow your circle of concern. But when you focus, and you can see that with the arrows, it's growing, it's going out. See how it's going out? But when you, 
when you focus on your circle of concern, it crushes your circle of influence, and you have less and less influence. So what does this mean? The more time that we spend in our circle of influence, being concerned about things that are within our circle of influence, the greater our circle of influence is going to become. But the, le- the, the, the more time we spend outside of our circle of influence, just being concerned about matters that are too great for me, David would say, the, the, less, the less influence we're going to have over anybody. I've got a very small influence. So there's 100 people here in the church listening to me this morning. You know, there's, there's pastors with 10,000 people listening to them. There's, there's, pa- there's people with hundreds of thousands of people listening to them. There's uh, senators and governors and congressmen and the president of the United States that when they speak, the whole world listens to what they say. I don't have that kind of influence. But what I do is I focus most of my concern on where I have influence. I focus my concern on my family because I have influence there, on my church because I have influence there, on my community because I have influence there. I focus my concern on those areas. I'm aware of everything going on outside. I'm aware of what's going on in Seattle and what's going on, you know, in Florida. Uh, the, you know, the numbers are on the rise there a little bit. I'm, a, I'm aware of all of these other things, but I don't overly concern myself with them because I don't want to become bogged down with thinking about things that I cannot influence. Coronaviruses have spiked just slightly down in Florida. I can't change that. I can't. I mean, I could jump on a plane and fly to Florida and go walk around and wear my mask everywhere, but that's not going to influence anything. It's not going to change anything. The numbers are still going to do what they're going to do. People are still going to do what they're going to do. I could go walking through the street. I'm just a a stranger to all of them. But if I wear my mask here, everybody sees it, and we're like, oh, yeah, we will be safe for a little bit while longer until the numbers are are down to the point where the, the health officials tell us that we don't have to wear a mask at all. Good, we're good, we're good. Circle of influence, circle of concern. And I'm going to end with this scripture today. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all of your cares upon him, for he cares for you. And so two things I want to get from this scripture today. Uh, Last week, Fred did an awesome job. What a great message he preached. And he talked about being humble and absolutely we need to do that. It says, cast your cares upon God. I don't know if I have anything in here. I could use this, right? So how do we cast our cares upon God? We don't just show them to God, right? That's not enough. And we don't like, you know, we we cast them. It was terrible because they didn't go very far. But imagine, you know, you cast a reel and how far, it's, it's about how far can I get it to go? Cast your cares upon God. Give them to them so that you can't get them back. Oh, no. Not comfortable with not getting them back. You can either have peace or you can have understanding, but you can't have both. You can either cast your cares upon him or you can carry your cares. What do you want to do? You can't have both. And finally, he cares for you. Do we believe this about God? He cares for you. Do we believe this about God? We have to. If we do not, listen, I'm going to draw the line in the sand. If we do not believe that God cares for us, 
We will never live a life without worry. If we do not believe that God cares for us, we will never live a life without worry. Never. It's, not, it's impossible. It is utterly impossible to live a life without worry, but not, not believing that God cares for you. That he knows your needs before you even ask of him. That's what scripture says. He knows what we need before we even ever ask. This is the God. He loves us. While we were yet sinners, while we were far away from him, God loved us and gave his life, died on the cross so that you and I could be forgiven of our sins and to come and have fellowship with him. It's this relationship. It's not about uh, just doing the right thing. It's not about just, you know, checking the boxes and following the rules. That's not what God is about. God is about relationship, and he wants, it to make, he wants to make it personal for each and every one of us. If you're here today and you've never made it personal between you and God, I want to invite you to do that today. And you do that by just saying a simple prayer and committing yourself to following God for the rest of your life. And the prayer goes like this. If it's, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I ask that you would forgive me of my sins, that you would come and live inside my heart, that you would help me to live for you all of the days of my life. If you just prayed that prayer for the first time, then you just became a Christian. You just made that decision to follow Christ, and it's about a relationship. You just started a relationship with Jesus. He loves to hear you talk to him. He loves to spend time with you. He loves when you spend time with him. We do that through worship. We do that through prayer. We do that through reading the Bible. If you just prayed their prayer for the first time today, there's a place on your card that you can mark it so that I'll send you some information about what your next steps are. I just made the decision to follow Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior for the first time. Check that box and I'll send you some information because you know, there's some steps that you can take to better your walk, better your relationship with Christ. So check that box for me today. Uh, we're going to take communion. And so if you're at home, grab your communion and get that ready. And so... Just get that out of the wrapper.